Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. The things that we're doing. But if you looked at the previous studies, you would tell everybody buy experiences rather than things. And that advice would be bad advice for somebody at the lower end of the socioeconomic realm. I'm Art Markman. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, an update on money and happiness. We had read some research in which we thought it was very interesting and thought it had some, some great insights into how we might go about spending our money in a way that made us happy. So the finding of the original research was that when you talked with a variety of people about purchases that they had made, that some of those purchases were things, objects, and, and were intended primarily to, to serve as some object you would own. Uh, you might use it, but still it was, the, it was having the object that was the point, versus purchasing an experience, which might be going to a show or on a vacation. And the data, as collected initially, suggested that buying experiences led to more happiness than buying things. Now, one of the great things about research in any field, particularly in psychology, is that whenever anybody has an interesting idea, more people continue to do the research and we learn more about it. And so the update now, which comes from a paper in, in, that came out in 2018 in the journal Psychological Science, the update is that the relationship between the kind of purchase you make and happiness actually depends on your socioeconomic status. So it turns out a lot, and I mean a lot, of psychology research gets done on fairly privileged folks, as Bob points out on a regular basis on the show. And so these are college students often, and all else being equal, the college student population tends to come from a, a, a overall a higher socioeconomic status than people of their age group in general. And even the people who come in and volunteer to do studies or are willing to do a study for a small amount of money, by and large, tend to come from the higher end of, of socioeconomic status. And when you include a larger group of individuals who span the range of socioeconomic status in the United States, now what you find is folks at the lower end of that range tend to value and be, and be made happier by purchases of things rather than purchases of experiences. Partly because if you don't have a lot of money, spending money in general is, is a difficult decision to make. And so feeling like you got something of, of physical lasting value is useful. And actually getting something that has resale value is actually a potential, uh, you can look at that object in the future and think, worst case, I could sell this if I needed to. And so the entire relationship actually seems, it's weaker. At higher socioeconomic status, people pretty strongly value experiences over things. At the lower end, that difference is closer, but, but generally speaking, there's a slight advantage for things rather than experiences. Yes. To me, the most important point here is that that the kinds of people that, that often become the subject of psychology experiments are a particular kind of people. 
there's a lot of discussion in the psychology literature, and I think we may have mentioned this on a previous show, about so-called weird populations, which weird stands for Western-educated, industrialized, rich, and democratic. <laughs> and that is a cultural segment. What's interesting is when we then generalize these results, the results sections of the papers don't say weird people right. do these things. They people. say, right, exactly. They say people do these things. And, and so it's important to have these moderators to show, okay, actually, when we take a broader group of people into consideration, then this isn't a human universal or even a modern human universal. This is bracketed to a particular set of individuals. And it's important to understand those factors. Now, what we do with that information and, and what that tells us about societal fairness or, uh, or anything else, that's, that's a different realm. That's not, that's not so much the science of it as, as the kinds of, of advice or public policy recommendations you might make on the basis of the science. But the thing about the thing about science is it can tell us it can tell us things about what's going on in the world, but it, it can't tell us what to do with that information. Yeah, right. That then requires us to impose a set of values on that that might help us to to make decisions about about how we want to use that information. Which means that if I give blanket advice some number of people are getting actually absolutely the wrong advice. And that's where it becomes a problem. And, th and this is true not only in research in psychology. I mean, it's been true in research in human health as well. I mean, much of the research in human health was done on men. And we generalize that to women, often wrongly. And, you know, we're just now, I mean, in recent decades, coming to terms with the idea that Male and female bodies don't respond in the same ways to the same things, and, and it's important to know how a given treatment or a given disease or whatever it happens to be affects a, a female body and a male body. So, I mean, th this is not limited to psychology. I mean, I mean in, and, and of course, what all of us are trying to do is understand the world as economically as possible. I mean, experiments are expensive in terms of time and effort and energy and money. And uh, we sort of rely a lot on selecting participants randomly with the idea that whatever individual differences there are are just going to get washed out by the random selection, when in fact they're often not because there's another variable at play that we haven't identified. Next week, we'll talk about the cheerleader effect with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can listen back to this show at KUT.org and subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review while you're there. It helps other people find us, and it just really helps us out. David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford are our engineers. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas. <laughs>